there's a reason that the gaze against groomers group is important, that it's not just uh, that they're fighting against the chemical and surgical mutilation of children. It's that as same-sex attracted adults, they're not (laughs) anxious. So let the enemy use the same methods that he caused others to use to destroy the definition of marriage. Now, they don't know that they're doing that. That's clearly the position that they're taking now. They're defending pedophiles and child predators and the entire ideology that is uh, transitioning children and mutilating their bodies and using them as sex objects. And I am deeply grateful to those adults. And I would love to meet them. And yes, I would be very open about my biblical views of marriage and would hope that we could be friends aside from that. It's important that we have the ability to have these sort of partnerships. And why? Because the end game is the church, destroying the church. But with that, if they succeed in destroying the church, now they can't destroy Christ's church. It will stand forever, but I mean church is. If they succeed in that, there's no limits on anything sexual. We'll convert your children Happens bit by bit Quietly and subtly And you will barely notice it San Francisco Gay Men's Choir And they were thinking that they were being ironic That they're going to convert your kids Into loving and tolerant people But we know what that sort of toleration means And where that ultimately ends up Oh God of pronouns We give praise to the Great One the one who was identifiable as God. I am what I am, you say. And are we prepared to stop it? Are we prepared to talk about the things that hide in the open? It's like everything. Um, you know, we, we, it hides in plain sight. Epstein was hiding in plain sight. We all knew about him. We all knew what he was doing. But we had no one that was, no... Uh, willing to stop it, to step up. That was Cindy McCain, and her husband didn't step up, nor did she. So are we prepared to challenge the assault on the biblical definition of marriage and, therefore, the prohibitions against adults using children for their sexual desires in the churches? Are we really prepared? SodaWeightLoss.com helps us do shows like this. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. From the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times to which God has decided we shall live. I have a whole series of books on um, same-sex attachment and attraction and Christianity because I deeply, I abhor this conversation. And it's so important. I abhor it because like you, I have have family members who are same-sex attracted. And like you, I dearly love them. And like you, I've said it before, thinking of a specific family member. If that family member needed a kidney, sign me up. Bone marrow, sign me up. You're going to try to hurt my family member? You're going to get through me first if you hope to do that. And you're probably like me in that regard. And consequently, I hate this discussion because it can be so hurtful. And, of course, that's why the enemy uses it. 
And that's why it is the divisive tool that he wants it to be. And I speak today reluctantly on this. In fact, I've thought, man, is there anything else I should cover? And yeah, we're going to cover some other things. You know we'll always do that. Uh, but on this topic, the reason that I felt called to speak about it this morning is, is when I woke up, I didn't succeed in having God as my first thought. I've been really trying to do that. That happened to me this weekend, and it was glorious. Um, and I woke, and the first thought in my head was, last, no, it was last week. Last week, I woke with, in my head, first waking thought, I will meditate on your word daily. I thought, yes! I was excited for that, and I've been trying to have that happen again. But that didn't happen today. In fact, I had trouble getting into prayer mode. And so I thought, well, maybe I could read about God's word and then go read the word. And so there's a book I've been delaying reading called The Gay Gospel. And it is a retitled book, uh, updated by a gentleman who now lectures and and delivers sermons on same-sex attraction, which was something with which he struggled. And he had been a member of um, a a church, so-called, that considers itself very uh, biblical, very conservative, except on the topic of same-sex attraction. And there it parts with the Bible. And the contention, of course, is that the Bible is wrong on that topic. But everything else, it's solid on. It doesn't work that way. The Bible's the word of God, or it's not. Now, there are cases where the Lord Jesus spoke through allegory and where he illustrated a point in that way, metaphors. And those are clearly, clearly able to be seen as such. But when teaching and instructing people like the Apostle Paul were not, not the least bit hard to track in terms of when they were instructing completely from a perspective of you must do this and you'll receive this blessing and this is how we worship and this is what marriage means. And as I read this book, I really struggled with... I it's I am I feel like I'm really hard to shock. Do you feel that way? That you're super hard to shock. <clears throat> I, I've seen some things, and when I got into the guts of this book, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. But but it all made tremendous sense because of where this society has been pushed, and the end point being the church, because this society is being pushed in an obvious direction. Um, I use the term minor attracted person or math uh, in the title and throughout the book for multiple reasons. Um, first of all, because I think it's important to use terminology for groups that members of that group want others to use for them. Um, and math advocacy groups like Before You Act um, have advocated for use of the term math. Um, they've advocated for it primarily because it's less stigmatizing. That's right. Pedophiles don't want to be stigmatized. And there is a method. And it's the same method that's being used. There was a method to make same-sex attraction, to relabel it, uh, relabel, relabel homosexuality as gay, and then to not just have people accept it, but in fact, to have people applaud it and promote it and love it and in fact prefer it in society. In fact, it's, it's morally better because it often, well, it doesn't lead to children. You can adopt, but it doesn't lead to children. It cannot. It cannot be fruitful in that regard. 
And then it was, of course, you will shut up. And people did. And they're using the same exact technique, and they've done it so successfully with the lie about transgenderism, so successfully. And they're going down the same exact route with pedophilia. And inherent in these discussions are the statement that just because an adult human being is attracted sexually to an adult human being of the same sex does not mean that they are pedophiles, and it does not. But when the institutions are being attacked from the inside, and when the target is, in fact, the word of God, that's the target. And you can boil down the statements from these churches, and I'm going to get into some of the details of what leaders of these churches have said, because it's it's horrific. It's sad. It's it's deeply ungodly. Uh, And it's hard to listen to. But as the author of this book points out, that the arguments uh, against God's view of marriage and sexuality can be boiled down into one succinct statement. And the author's name, by the way, is Joe Dallas. It can be boiled down into one distinct statement. It's not fair. Hey, God, this is not fair. I want this, and you tell me I'm not supposed to have it, and that's not fair. So if we accept the premise into our churches that because it's not fair, that our churches need to applaud, promote, accept, and maybe even prefer same-sex unions, we've we've accepted the premise that when we regard something in God's word as unfair, we don't have to follow it. And easy enough to add to that than adultery, well, it's unfair. Therefore, our churches are going to have open marriage, open relationships. You can apply it to theft. I didn't have that, and he did, so I took it. Because, look, God should have given that to me. It's unfair that God didn't let me have that. Did I, did I murder a guy? Yeah. Yeah, because he came and took stuff from me. So I murdered him. No, he wasn't attempting to hurt me. No, it wasn't self-defense. No, I, he, he stole my hubcaps. I don't have hubcaps anymore. Stole the tires off my car. I tracked him down and I shot him in the head because God shouldn't let that happen. And, and the law against murder is unfair. So that's the future of the church. Church is, not the church, because you know, the, the, the gates of hell will not prevail against Christ's church. But the way is narrow and the path is long. And that's how high the stakes are, because that's the design. The design of the enemy is to implant in people's minds that it's all just so unfair. And the rules that God creates are just so unfair. But when it's a rule pointed at you, that protects you, well, suddenly it's not unfair. And this is so pervasive in our culture that things like this just go almost unnoticed. This is, a, this is just the most remarkable prayer. And I played it before. It's just so breathtaking in how utterly evil it is. Oh, God of pronouns, we give praise to the Great One, 
the one who was identifiable as God. I am what I am, you say, the great they, the incarnate he and she, the God of trans being. Impregnating Mary, fathering God, breastfeeding God of many breasts, you shadow, you shatter all stereotypes, making every single person male and female. Male and female, intersex, non-binary, in your image, exactly in your image. Spectrum, rainbow God, who put your promise for nonviolence in the symbol for queer love before humanity knew, because you knew. Who had Joseph, who could not sleep with a woman in a beautiful lady's cloak, perhaps of rainbow colors, before we knew, you knew. God of pronouns, who said, you can call me he or she or they, whatever makes you feel closest to me. Invisible and visible God, on this day, where visibility and celebration, belated, belatedness, affirmation, and acceptance is the bare minimum. Truly, God does affirm your choices. Truly. You want to separate yourself from me? I affirm your decision. You've made your decision. You want to come back to me and be redeemed and pray and accept my son as your savior? I'll gladly have you back, dear one. You want to stay separate? I affirm your decision. It's your choice. I affirm that you've made it. Uh, The God, the breastfeeding God of many breasts, People who are observant of biblical history will know that that's the description of a Baal, (laughs) a satanic fake god with uh, male features and female features and an enormous number of breasts because it's also a god of wanton sex, unlimited sex. And she describes that from a pulpit, and that's church. And there are people in there who believe that they're being faithful to God. They believe it. But that's, that's a bizarre example. The Southern Baptists, many evangelical churches, people who have been brought up, raised up, by some of the most significant all right, let me say it this way. By some of the pastors God has made most significant in the revival of the church, who God has empowered to create very large, very vibrant, very financially sound churches that are doing the work of God, not just here, but around the world. These pastors have been raised up by leaders of these churches who have now departed from this one key thing, And when you depart from God's description of marriage, you're departing from what God created as perfection. You're departing from what God said, this is the Garden of Eden, this is perfection. This is a place you don't work. This is a place you don't toil. This is a place where there is no separation from us. 
between us rather. I come and I walk next to you. You can ask me anything you want. You can look upon me. I who have created everything, you can look upon me. And there's no want, there's no fear, there's no pain, there's no, there's. And when you deny that, and you deny God's plan for that, you're saying, no, we'd rather stay here. We don't want to come home. We don't want our rum springer to ever end. We want to stay in the world. And again, God will affirm your decision. I affirm your choice. I don't agree with it, but I affirm your right to make it. So you have these pastors who are leading their flocks astray, but it's just on this one topic, and it's so unfair. And that's what it boils down to. It's so unfair. And where this leads, and where it leads ultimately, is to fewer and fewer churches that are actually actually faithful to the gospel. And what that means is it leads to fewer and fewer churches in which people will find salvation. It leads to more and more places where people will get fake salvation, and then when the day of judgment comes, and they appear before the Lord, and they expect to go to heaven, and they don't, well, are they going to be given an opportunity to say, but God, that's not fair. My pastor told me that that same-sex unions are the same as marriage. That's what my pastor told me. Will God give him a chance to say that's not fair? Or maybe they'll convince him. Maybe they'll form a union. And they'll do a poll. And they'll politic. And they'll say, everybody call out to God at the same time and, and fill up his phone lines. And, and picket the pearly gates, as it were. Maybe that'll change his mind, except for this. God is unchanging and unchangeable. Never has changed, never will change. Why should he? Why would he? So the words that got to me so much... Uh, from this book, I will share with you. And I'll also remind everybody that the march through the institutions, right, the communist march through the institutions, communism is a political extension of Satanism. Communism hates humanity. Communism hates our uniqueness. Communism hates individuality. Communism hates freedom of speech. It hates the freedom of association. It hates all the rights inherent in being created by God, demonstrated in the Bible, demonstrated in the way with which the Lord Jesus treated people. He demonstrated what he did and allowed in the Bible. He allowed free speech. He engaged in it. He allowed his disciples to question him and even to say, Lord, that's a really hard teaching. And some people peeled away from him. He said, um, eat my flesh and, and, and drink my blood. And if you don't do that, you can't be with me. And he lost a lot of disciples. And he turned to the core and said, are you going to leave me too? And of course, the apostle Peter said, no, Lord, you've got the words of life. Where would we go? 
But others were free to say that. He didn't slice their tongues out. He didn't send them directly to hell. He just said, hey, without me, you're not going to get to heaven. So we have these rights. Communism hates these rights. So does the China model, which is what the party's following. So the march to the institutions has been long, long coming. It's in the financial institutions, as Cindy McCain pointed out. It's in academia, as we can see with our very own eyes. It's in the media, as anyone with, with eyes to see will choose to see and ears to listen will choose to hear. It's in the media. It's in the government schools. It's in the workplace. It's in the churches. And I want you to hear these words from this book that so saddened me. And it's made me so, though reluctant to do this program, here we are, right in the midst of it. It's a book called The Gay Gospel, How Pro-Gay Activists Misread the Bible. And it's uncomfortable to hear. And in fact... I I don't know that it's, yeah. Some of it is adult themed, although I don't think there's any curse words in it. But just be careful if you're listening with the family. That's all I ask. It is. The China model's in our financial system. It, It is. And it's easy to see. Um, how many times have we been forced to purchase products we don't want at prices we can't afford from companies we don't like for services we don't need? If you ever got shoved into Obamacare, that was you. And, and many of you who had to get injected uh, lest you lose your job and, and chose to get injected, and maybe next time you'll understand that it never ends and that they're going to make you do more and more and more, well, that was being forced to be injected with a product you didn't want from a company you don't like for something you can't use because it doesn't work the way it was sold. In fact, it's the opposite. Our financial system is rigged. You were forced to give Pfizer hundreds of billions of dollars, and their chief is stepping down, but not before he said, oh, I got conned about the mRNA. I didn't want to do that. So again, I, I, I proffer you the choice. Is your bank warning you about this stuff? Is your bank coming to you and saying, hey, uh, our financial institutions are rigged? Is Charles Schwab? Is Fidelity? Uh, we could go down the list. E.F. Hutton? We could continue to go down the list. Edward Jones, and I know that those guys are independent, and maybe your Edward Jones guy is warning you. If so, or woman, God bless him. Zach Abraham has been warning us for a decade about this stuff. He's been talking about the 0% interest rate loans that the mobbed up financial entities give themselves. He's been talking about how that will create mass inflation and look at what we're looking at now. He's been long on energy stocks because at some point or another, the world's going to have to discover that physics is still ahead of ideology. It's Zach that's been sending to us common sense. Wow, if they're going to destroy 3,000 farms in Norway, or pardon me, um, in Europe, now it's, they're going to destroy 3,000 farms in the Netherlands, well, food prices are going to go up. Is your portfolio ready for the chaos economy? 
call Bulwark Capital Management, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Investment advice cannot be given to the client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management's investment advisor representative, Czech Financial LLC, and SEC registered investment advisor. I believe that we're hardwired to need God. In fact, I think the Bible is pretty clear about that, that we're hardwired to need God. And so people will go through a lot in order to make it seem that they're still living in a godly sense. And they will twist a lot and they'll engage in a lot of cognitive dissonance. And this is from this book, The Gay Gospel, How Pro-Gay Advocates Misread the Bible, Joe Dallas. He describes the case of some people who became leaders of what are called gay churches, and they're proponents of what some people call the gay gospel. And, and he didn't actually like that title for this, but it communicated it more clearly as to what he wanted the book to be about in this updated form. And it shares his struggle with this. He doesn't claim to have been someone who's lived without sin or lives without it, but he describes a life now free from uh, active same-sex attraction. And he provides two examples. One is of Mel White, formerly of the uh, Fuller Theological Seminary, describes his first homosexual encounter, which he engaged when he was still married, as, quote, inevitable. And he later described it as one of God's gifts. God would disagree. One of the grounds for divorce is adultery. It's that serious. God would disagree that it's a gift. The Lord Jesus disagrees that it's a gift. But this guy just had to stay, had to maintain this illusion to himself that he was walking with God. Troy Perry, a former pastor with the Church of God and the founder of the Metropolitan Community Church. Incidentally, that's the church that Joe Dallas joined when he wanted to engage in a lot of same-sex, active same-sex work, or not work, but same-sex activity. This guy, uh, Troy Perry, recalled a a similar experience. Um, He decided to have sex with another man another man while his wife was in the next room unaware of what he was doing apparently and he says quote eventually i came to realize that what we were doing seemed right for me it stopped short of being love but what a marvelous education stop short of being love marvelous education as his wife was in the next room unaware of what these two men were doing to each other And again, this guy was so, so, so inclined to believe that he was still walking with God, still not sinning, still not engaging in constant sin. And there's a difference between being someone who sins, that's all of us, and someone who practices sin. And as my pastor has said, my pastor comes from a wrestling background, that you practice something you want to get good at. So if you're practicing sin, you might say you're trying to get really, really good at sinning, right? Right. So years later, oh, by the way, this guy's view on marriage changed pretty radically. If you have an open and inclusive of other sexual partners' relationships, he says, that's fine and dandy. The Bible disagrees entirely, and yet these are churches. This is the part that so haunted me because it just speaks to what happens when nothing is prohibited. So this guy who just discovered, oh, well, what a wonderful gift that I've had an affair on my wife, it happened to be a homosexual affair. Years later, uh, Troy Perry, who still gets to call himself a reverend, was on an uh, interview on a website called Gay Guide Toronto, and this is a quote. He, he described himself as a proud leatherman. This is a quote. Now listen to this as he tries to turn this into a sacrament, 
and people who are aware of the, the history of the Bible know about temple prostitutes. <laughs> that when God instructed the Hebrew people in family relations in marriage, he said, you're not going to have temple prostitutes. You're not going to engage in that. Your nation is going to be different. You're not going to abuse children. You're not going to burn them or eat them. You're not going to do these things. That's not how you will worship me. Quoting here Troy Perry, who I will not call a reverend, quote, I tell people that S&M, that sadomasochism, which combines the giving and receiving of pain, I tell people that S&M means sensuality and maturity. I discovered that Leathermen have a deep spirituality, and that includes pagans, Hindus. There's a mutually agreed upon exchange of power. The top, the bottom, the slave, the master, the daddy, the boy. Some of the sensuality involved in the leather community is so intense that it takes you into your spiritual self. Some of the things I've witnessed at leather gatherings are akin to reading about the saints filled with rapture at being so involved with God and God's love. No, it doesn't. No. (laughs) Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, were destroyed because of unrestrained activity like this. The temple prostitutes where you paid for sex or engaged in it as a religious, a a, a so-called honoring of God, it is aberrant to the Lord. Now, again, it's inherent in conversations like this. It's inherent and it's right to say that, that I don't know the percentage. I will just say that not all same-sex attracted people who are active sexually would, would listen to that and say, oh, that's neat. Many of them would listen to that and say, that's gross. So I think about friends of mine. I used to um, be on an executive team with a woman who is same-sex attracted and has been in a, a singular relationship for, oh, I'm, I'm guessing now 35 years I guarantee she would listen to that and go, gross. The Leatherman community is gross. Considering that um, a, 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 a religious ceremony is gross. And this, this view, this view is what is driven these churches where I can play these sound clips from. And this view is infecting mainstream churches. And it's infecting them in the following way. It's the same path. We're just going to stop talking about biblical marriage because we don't want to offend people. Okay, let's translate. We're going to stop preaching the word of God in its completeness. What are we warned about in book of Revelation? Do not add or subtract from this. Do not add or subtract. Do not lie. That's a lie of omission. So it's starting there. And some of these pastors who were raised again and brought up and taught and mentored by strong 
leaders with strong biblical views, whose churches are thriving, thank the Lord, whose churches are robust and active, despite, some might say, their adherence to biblical uh, views of marriage. These pastors raised by those men have departed and their excuses sound up, end up sounding very, very similar to the same excuses that have been used prior to change the word of God. And again, you can say, and what two adults do in their bedroom, fine. God affirms your, your, your freedom to make that choice. So do I. And I didn't make the rules. And it's not about two adults, guys. This ends in the erasing of prohibitions on any form of sexual activity, including pedophilia. Yeah, the truth teller's job can be pretty tough. I would one day love to talk with a group of truth tellers who have been, um, well, let's say threatened by the party. In fact, I'd love to talk to other talk show hosts who are aware of the speech codes that exists in conservative talk radio and, and how they navigate that if they do. And maybe some of them have left. I'd love to talk to Mike Lindell about when you realized that they were out to destroy your company. I'd love to hear about that dark night. <clears throat> I don't think he cares. Uh, I think he cares about his company because his employees work in small town, Minnesota, not Michigan. My bad, Minnesota. And I, I know he cares about his employees because otherwise he'd make his products in China and increase his margins by 70% or something. So I know he cares about his employees. I think he cares about his company, but he cares about his country much more. And above that, he cares about God and thou shalt not lie. But I'd love to hear about that dark night of the soul when he realized that the DOJ and the federal government intends to dismantle his company. And then I'd love to hear him talk about that great phrase, but God, dot, dot, dot. But God had other plans. Part of those plans are that Mike continue to expand the business, continue to be resilient. I have the six-piece towel sets, one of them, from my, 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 my uh, pillow, and I'd like to get more of them. These are incredibly lush, incredibly soft, incredibly thick, incredibly large bath towels that I regard as beach towels. They are that way because they're made with the United States cotton. I did say it's six-piece, so it's not just the huge bath towels. It's also two hand towels and a washcloth two-pack. And there is a website that lets you know where you heard this. Mike know where you heard this and where you're buying. So it's obviously trackable, so Mike knows what this audience thinks of these products. You can get the same towels at a ridiculously low price, regularly $89.98, now for only $39.98 at MyPillow.com slash Herman, promo code Herman. That's MyPillow.com slash Herman, promo code Herman. Get discounts on all sorts of products there, including this insane price on the towels. Go to MyPillow.com slash Herman, promo code Herman. So when all things are allowed, nothing is prohibited. And the same view that we're seeing in these churches has been propagated by some of these people who push the gay gospel. And this is how they end up changing this story. Troy Perry, who we just talked about, the so-called reverend, what influences lead us to new ways of understanding scripture? Quote, new scientific information, social changes, and personal experiences are perhaps the greatest forces for change in the way we interpret the Bible and develop our beliefs. Okay. 
So when the God of the Bible introduced the new rules and the Hebrew people had come along and said, hey, just a second, God, uh, what is the scientific support you have for circumcision? Can, can you provide us a white paper? But it has to be peer-reviewed. Secondly, that hurts. Third, um, we like temple prostitutes because it's relaxing and it's a hobby for some of us and it's fun. We like it. It feels good. It's, it's, it's physically pleasing. Um, so that's our personal experience. Plus, when I do that, it seems right to me. So we don't want that part. See, to, to think that we are the first generation with the, the ability to make insights like this or arguments to God like this, you don't think he's heard it all in our heads? You don't think he knows we struggle? I talked last week in an awkward way about praying to God. Hey, you know what? I really didn't like this interaction with this young woman where she asked for my phone number, even though now I turned out, yes, yes, it's platonic, but I really didn't like that. And God said, you are a liar, old man. You loved that. You loved that. You were flattered, old man. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so help me not be flattered. We're, the, we're not the first generation. None of this is new to God. None of the things that are occurring, is he looking at and going, dang it, wow, really? You're going to do that with your body? There's this. In reference to the Apostle Paul's views on homosexuality, a gay Episcopalian minister, Robert Williams, comments, so what? Paul was wrong about any number of things, too. Why should you take him any more seriously than you take Jerry Falwell, Anita Bryant, or Cardinal O'Connor? Why indeed? Why indeed? Oh, that's right. Because the Lord Jesus chose him personally and appeared before him and changed him in an instant and personally instructed him Not through text, that didn't exist. Yes, the Holy Spirit existed and was with people, but the Lord Jesus did that. And then the Lord Jesus brought people with whom he walked for three years and personally taught that time in the flesh to mentor the Apostle Paul for three years. Some people think it's up to seven before his ministry began in full. So why indeed? Lesbian author Virginia Mullencott, I can no longer worship in a theological context that, um, that depicts God as an abusive parent and Jesus as an obedient, trusting child. The violent theology encourages the violence in our streets and nations. This is a reason to become separated from God because God abused his son and therefore there are now crimes in the street. Um, God was and is his son. They are one. Don't you know that the Father is with me and I'm with him and I'm the Father and the Father is me? Don't you know these things? Now, I don't have any reason to believe that she knows these things. After all, she's not a reverend. Um, Joe Spar, co-founder of Clouts, Christian Lesbians Out Together, and lesbian evangelist for the Downtown Presbyterian Church of Rochester, claims her ideology was, was, first of all, informed by making love with Connie, her lesbian partner. That's how her theology was formed. She was having sex with another woman, and that formed her theology. Got it. Whereas, the entire word of God available to us in the Bible lived out and demonstrated in countless ways by people like Moses and David 
and then lived out in full, in fullness, in front of people by the Lord Jesus. There's that. But then again, you did have sex with another woman, so I can see how your, how your theology is much better formed. The co-founder of Clout, Melanie Morrison, I know in my heart that the canon is not closed. I know this because the Bible does not reconcile me with the earth, and the Bible does not reconcile me with my sexual self. The Bible does not reconcile me with the earth. Yes, it does. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's you. Without the grace of God, that's you. Doesn't reconcile you with the earth. There's going to be a new earth, just like the old earth. That this same, uh, this same period of uh, this some same sort of thought, this uh, you, you caused us to be separate from. And where this is all leading, in terms of this author's point of view and my point of view, and I've been warning about it now for about six or seven years. It's all leading to the promotion of pedophilia. It's all leading to the normalization of it. If the churches do not fight this in a godly way, it's going to end that way. And the the, the author makes the point that it's already... Remember we talked last week about Dr. John Money? He was the so-called doctor who pretended that when this one kid... There were twins born. Remember this? Identical twins. And during a circumcision, about which I just spoke, a doctor slipped and cut a boy's penis off. And so ultimately, this boy got taken to John Money and said, oh, you know what? Gender and sex, that's just a construct. Um, just raise him as a girl and he'll never know the difference. You remember that story? That was John Money. And he also posed those boys in sexual positions and took pictures and showed them how to have sex with one another. Remember that? And he pretended that was clinical research. Remember that? And everybody knew what he was doing. And everybody knew what he was doing. And no one would say anything, even though the boys were suicidal. And in fact, one did commit suicide, if not both. Remember that? Yeah, he gets to the point of John Money saying, if I were to see a case of a boy aged 10 or 11 who's intensely erotically attracted toward a man in his 20s or 30s, if the relationship is mutual, then I would not call it pathological in any way. It's the same path they traveled. It's the same path they're traveling with the transgender lie. Dr. Derek Calderwood, chairman of SICUS, incidentally, SICUS is a group that a lot of superintendents of government so-called schools belong to. Um, the boss of government schools in Washington State, a very deeply disturbed and perverted man named Chris Rakedall, was one of the first signatories to Secus's rights of, of kids to have all sorts of access to sex. So Derek uh, Calderwood, doctor, don't you know, on the board of Secus, when no one gives the child a bad conscience, intercourse between adults and children causes no mental harm. It is such an established fact that there's an age at which children are not ready for any form of sexual contact. It is an established fact that adults' minds are far more developed than little kids and they can cause a kid to believe anything. And the predation of that and the ability to be a predator, my good Lord in heaven. See, this is the groundwork. This is what churches that give up on speaking the word of God, this is what they allow. This is what they're building a pathway for. They're not meaning to, but they are. Do you remember, was it last week that we had um, we had the gentleman on who had lost his command? Brad Miller had lost his command because he refused to get injected. Do you remember that? Do you remember that interview? 
He shared with us his uh, decision to refuse the injection and what that cost him. And he also talked to us about his estimation of the leadership of the military being completely corrupt. And he said, in fact, criminal and maybe treasonous. Remember that? So my friend Tim Cruikshank, the founder and CEO of Bone Frog Coffee, heard that. And Tim is a 25-year Navy veteran, and Tim is a Navy SEAL. Uh, retired, obviously. And he is at Bonefrog Coffee, makes every possible effort to hire vets and to work with veteran-owned companies. You know that at bonefrog.us, when you buy there, bonefrog.us, 10% of the proceeds go to the families of fallen Navy SEALs and other special operators in that community. So Tim heard that, and I sent Tim a note. And this morning I said, hey, you know what? I forgot to send Brad coffee. I offered to send him some bone frog coffee. You're vets. He's a vet. And I wanted to make this good. So, hey, can I do this? And Tim stepped in and said, hey, you know what? I'm buying. I said, no, no, Cruikshank. I, I, I'm the one who offered to do this. He goes, hey, I appreciate, Todd, your offer to pay for this, but no way. I'm going to handle this. I'm going to send this because it's going to be an honor because this guy is going to be on the right side of history. So that's Cruikshank. So Brad's getting his coffee. That's who Tim is. That's what the company means. When it says God Country Team on the bag, that's what it's about. He'll get a note from Tim Cruikshank. He's going to get gear. I know he is. But when you buy your first coffee at bonefrog.us, you will also, in all likelihood, get a handwritten note from Tim Cruikshank. He loves the customers. He's building a community that's real. Such as, you got a problem? It's often Tim who handles it via email. Problem with the shipment, something like that. And the quality of coffee is unmatched. I think God put Dave Stewart and he together. I bet he's discipling Dave. I don't know. I don't know Dave. Maybe Dave's fully discipled already. Dave Stewart's a coffee legend. 50 years he started Seattle's Best Coffee. He does a lot of the blends and brews for Tim. Also mentors the team at Bonefrog. Remember to use the .us. And by the way, when you upgrade to a subscription, you get 5% off lifetime. What a Christmas gift to yourself or others. Bonefrog.us. So that's the way this is all headed. This is the way that's all going to unfold. And remember that institutions often know they have been infiltrated, but no one will say anything. So I'm going to shoot straight. Uh, the perception a lot of, between a lot of young people is that there is an untouchable ring of governmental and economic elites in this country. Um, that not only benefit, like she mentioned, but actively participate in sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeffrey Epstein was an example. Uh, Robert Kraft was arrested not far from here on on trafficking charges. And and so we, um, in terms of this as a grassroots movement to push to combat against this issue, um, are, are these power players a priority for us right now? Can we even touch them? Or is this a pipe dream that we need to address in the future somehow? You know, it's like everything. Um, you know, we, we, it hides in plain sight. Epstein was hiding in plain sight. We all knew about him. We all knew what he was doing. But we had no one that was, no um, uh, legal aspect that would go after him. They were afraid of him. For whatever reason, they were afraid of him. All of a sudden, someone said, B.S., we're not afraid of you anymore and what you're doing. is not only wrong, it's illegal, it's, you know, all those things. Um, it's, it's like a house of cards now. It's going to start tumbling, believe me. And these guys, if they don't leave the country, number one, uh, they're going to get caught. And, they're gonna, and, and they, not only will they get caught, but they're going to be made examples of. And that's exactly what we should be doing uh, with these guys, especially. Um, in my opinion, 
if, you know, I know there's questions, but uh, Epstein's a chicken shit for doing what he did. <laughs> he should have faced the music, that one. He should have. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. And I'm sorry for the curse word. Uh, in fact, maybe that'll be edited out if I get time to go edit that out. I'm sorry for the curse word. She wasn't alone in this. Melinda Gates. You know, it was also widely reported that Bill had a, a friendship or business or some kind of contact with Jeffrey Epstein and that you were not, uh, that that was very upsetting to you. Did that play a role in the, in the divorce at all in this process? Yeah, as I said, it's not one thing. It was many things. But I did not like uh, that he'd had meetings with Jeffrey Epstein, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you made that clear to him? I made that clear to him. I also met Jeffrey Epstein exactly one time. Did you? Yes, because I wanted to see who this man was. And um, I regretted it from the second I stepped in the door. He was abhorrent. He was evil personified. I had nightmares about it afterwards. So, you know, my heart breaks for these young women because that's how I felt. And here I'm an older woman. My God, I feel terrible for those young women. It's awful. You felt that the moment you walked in. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And you shared that with Bill and he still continued to spend time with him? Any of the questions remaining about what Bill's relationship there was, those are for Bill to answer. Okay. But I made it very clear how I felt about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that she's not saying that she knew he was a sex trafficker. I want to be clear on that. And a rapist and a pimp. She's not saying that, but her skin crawled. And you know what? We have the gift of fear. We have the gift of fear. So will we stand in a godly way? And this is back to the beginning because it's so complicated. It's complicated because we know people who are same-sex attracted and we dearly love them. But do we lie to them in other ways? I mean, you probably don't go to a loved one's house who, let's say, is um, drinking a lot of alcohol. You probably don't rush in and start screaming at him. Look at you, you filthy, disgusting, drunk, fat pig. Look at what you're doing to your family. It probably doesn't help. But when they come to you and say... Oh, do you think I have a drinking problem? You probably don't go, no. Oh, no, you're good. I mean, that's what we do when we're young. When we're young and stupid. Dude, it's fine. Everybody does it. It's not what we do when we're adults. But you probably also don't rush over to people's house and spy in the window. And, hey, are you treating your wife with respect? And Your alcoholic friends probably aren't coming to you saying, do you think I'm an alcoholic? Because so many people do this in secret. But what about your friends who are drinking night and night and night and night after night and puking in front of you? As an adult, do you go to them and say, hey, I love you and I think you have a problem. But it defines me. This is who I am. Yes, and it's leading you to ruin. Well, what about spiritual ruin? So complicated. For us, those of us who don't lead churches, I pray that the Holy Spirit lets people see God through us because when people encounter God through us, they can feel welcome even when we disagree on a key issue to them, something that they believe defines them. And if we are consistently loving, and why would we not be to our family members who are engaging in this sin why would we not be loving towards them are we better than them nope 
Are our sins less serious? Nope. The difference we'd hope is that we're trying to stop our sin behavior and that we're engaging with the Holy Spirit to do that. So it begins, as everything does, with loving thy neighbor as thyself because you love God with all your heart and soul. You love your neighbor as yourself and all else hangs on that. For the churches, if you have pastors who have steered your church this way, you are required to oust them. It's not a question of if. They have departed from the word of God. And if you are an elder in a church and you're allowing this, you are participating in it. You will be held to account. Why? As an elder of a church, of one of my churches, did you allow my word to be censored or changed or squelched or, in fact, ripped to shreds? If you're in a church that has departed from biblical teaching on marriage, they've departed from the Bible. They now teach the following theology. If a rule God expresses feels unfair to you, don't follow it. It's fine. Because you don't get to pick and choose. You don't get to say only in terms of sex in same-sex unions or orgies or open marriages. Everything else, God's word counts. Why? doesn't work that way. Get out. If you cannot fix the church, get out. If your church is having discussions about this, make them point to the word. Not society, not lived experiences, not a very special episode of 60 Minutes. Make them point to the word of God. Show me in the Bible where God said this is changeable. If they cannot do that, you must not allow it in your church, and you must do that in a loving way. Brother, I fear you're lost. And most of all, and most important in this to me, and I am not qualified to preach, is let us remember the great trick that Satan pulls. This is C.S. Lewis teaching. Because as we can listen to things like this, we can go, oh, thank goodness I'm not like that wretch. Thank goodness I'm better than him. Thank goodness I'm so much more advanced. So much better. Because remember, Satan doesn't work all at once. He just wants to separate us bit by bit, tick by tick, minuscule hair by minuscule hair until you wake up one day and you're like one of these people that we talked about today saying that Leatherman orgies are like the saints experiencing the presence of God Almighty. Heavy enough for you? Still don't know if I should have done this show. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and God forgive me if I acted in any any ungodly way in making this episode.